The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and to this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, January 19th. I'm Terry Aranga talking to Dr. Miroslav Kovacevic today about pandas and patand, the medical basis for behavioral symptoms. Dr. Kovacevic is an assistant professor of pediatrics at Loyola who has published in the New England Journal of Medicine and the Journal of Pediatrics. For the past four years of his 30-year professional career in children's health care, Dr. Kovacevic has concentrated his professional attention on autism spectrum disorders and pandas and patan syndromes. Dr. Kovacevic, thank you for joining us today. Good morning. Nice to be here. What is meant by the acronyms PANDAS and PATANT? Uh, PANDA stands for Pediatric Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Streptococcus, and PITAND is an acronym for uh, Pediatric Infection-Induced Autoimmune Neuropsychiatric Disorder. What are the criteria for diagnosing someone with PANDAS or PATAND? Well, the criteria have changed remarkably in the past about 10 or 12 years. Originally, it was uh, described as a syndrome that it's marked by uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder and the tick disorder. However, we are learning recently that uh, there are actually several groups of pandas patients and does the, uh, the actual symptoms vary from group to group. In general, these patients have uh, neuropsychiatric symptoms of obsessive-compulsive disorder. They have intrusive thoughts. They can have a severe anxiety and phobias. Uh, they have a behavioral regressions, like a separation anxiety, baby talk or temper tantrums. They have a hyperactivity and a loss of concentration, frequently misinterpreted as ADD, ADHD disorder. And they have a severe, sometimes debilitating deterioration in their learning abilities and writing. On the top of the psychiatric symptoms, patients frequently exhibit physical symptoms like a white pupils. They look, you know, like a deer in the headlight. Uh, ticks, uh, adventitious abnormal movements. They can have a urinary frequency, increased sensory responses, and frequently 
non-specific stomach complaints. Does part of the criteria include a sudden onset? Yes. A sudden onset in most of the cases is a rule rather than exception. However, that applies only to the classical age of appearance, what is somewhere between four and six years of age. Unfortunately, patients who come up with the symptoms in earlier age, and the earliest pandas patient I have seen started with symptoms at about 18 months of age, the symptoms obviously are different and frequently misinterpreted or hard to interpret. Well, you've described some of the outward behaviors that patients with these syndromes exhibit. How have these patients historically been regarded by society and treated by mainstream medical practitioners? Interestingly enough, my students are right now looking into the historical description of possessed children. And I believe some of those were actually patients with pandas or pitan syndromes. More recently, however, these patients were classified on the basis of the most prominent symptoms. So the patients who had a severe separation anxiety were classified as anxiety disorder. Patients who had a prominent obsessive-compulsive component were simply called obsessive-compulsive disorder. Patients who had a hyperactivity, inability to concentrate, and inability to learn were called ADD, ADHD. So are those all of the kinds of psychiatric misnomers that have been placed upon what's going on with affected individuals? Well, I wouldn't call them misnomer. I would simply call them uh, uh, diagnosing them as a symptom because obsessive-compulsive disorder actually is a description of the obsessive-compulsive symptom. ADD, ADHD, actually is diagnosis based on a description of the single symptom, okay? So I think where the problem has been with pandas, that these patients come with a variety of symptoms, as I mentioned previously, and those symptoms can vary not only from patient to patient, but they also can vary from episode to episode. And that's why you're frequently going to find the child with pandas that has been taken care of by psychiatrists, by neurologists, by psychologists, and by social workers. Mm-hmm. Yes, I guess the danger comes when uh, when a disorder that has you know physiological roots is just regarded as a psychiatric matter and not. Uh, treated appropriately, that the underlying cause isn't looked for, and so the individual doesn't have a chance of being cured because they're not being treated appropriately. Well, the the inherent problem with the so-called mental disorders is that Freudian idea that if you try hard, if patient tries hard, that he or she can control the symptoms. And that is absolutely wrong. So no amount of counseling, psychoanalysis, or advising will work in the patient who has a severe 
mental symptoms. And that's what we are seeing in pandas, where efforts have failed until recently to correct it. Right, and also mainstream medicine needs to recognize that the brain is connected to the rest of the body, and what what happens in the rest of the body affects the brain. Well, I think even more importantly, medicine has to recognize that the mind is not independent of body, but is just uh, one of the body processes. So mind cannot get sick. Body can get sick. So don't look for the symptoms of the mind. Look for the symptoms of the body. Very good. When we think about strep, we usually think about strep throat. Do these kids have what looks like strep throat? Where do they get strep as a provoking agent, or does something trigger underlying strep? Well, I think it is a combination of possibly evolutionary changes that strep has experienced as a you know microorganism over the past 30, 40 years. Uh, if you think about this, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the main danger of streptococcus was affection of the heart, rheumatic fever. After that, there was about a decade where the streptococcus was affecting kidneys as a glomerular nephritis. And now we are finding that it is affecting brain. So there is a definite change in the uh, predilection of streptococcus for certain organs, on one hand. On the other hand, however, it is important to realize that, that not every person who gets a strep, is it a strep throat or whatever, will not end up with pandas. My research shows that... Uh, there is a specific phenotype or inherited susceptibility to of these patients. So when they get a strep, the resulting disease can be pandas. To be very specific, the phenotype of these patients usually includes highly intelligent, very communicative child that is usually before the illness, a very good student. Interestingly enough, the special strength in these children is usually mathematics. These children also do exhibit early in life certain predilection for uh, order. They like things in order. They might not be very cuddly kids. Okay, they're early talker. And then Mothers of these children appear to be highly intelligent and they do have a history of some mild non-interfering obsessive-compulsive symptoms. Sounds like there might be some similarities uh, with uh, kids in the autism community. Uh, Yes and no. Uh, Interesting enough, uh, in autism, it appears that the fathers, highly intelligent, enterprising, etc., appear to be the link, heredity link. But in pandas, it's on the mother's side that her- heredity link is present. 
We may be going to the break soon, but let's start with uh, explaining a little bit more in depth how infectious illnesses can affect the brain and create behavioral manifestations. Uh, what we believe is currently that is happening in pandas is that streptococcal infection, group A streptococcus infection, uh, results in an autoimmune response and the autoimmune antibody as a result of this response do not attack only strept but attack receptors in basal ganglia and the damage done to those ganglia results in the symptom of pandas. All right, and we'll pick up with this when we come back from break. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Leadership is a destination, but how do you get there? More importantly, how do you maximize your power and influence and develop more leaders in your organization? Learn from proven leaders and proven practices. Join Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler for Leadership Development News. This program will help you develop the next leaders in your organization, balance your work life, manage your boss, and manage yourself. We'll feature cutting-edge interviews with industry experts and authors. Leadership Development News, every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, on The Voice America Business Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Miroslav Kovacevic talking about pandas in Patand. And before the break, Dr. Kovacevic was explaining how the um, strep attacks receptors in the basal ganglion. Could you please pick up on that thought, Dr. Kovacevic, and tell us what the connection is between the basal ganglia and the symptoms we see? Well, I think uh, we have to understand what is actual function of basal ganglia. We believe globus pallidum is one of those basal ganglia that is affected. Essentially, to put it in the simple terms, basal ganglia act as a conductor 
of the orchestra of thoughts. Right now, each of us has a number of thoughts that are in our heads. However, we are able to choose and isolate the thought and follow it as necessary. What basal ganglia do, they enables us to do that. However, if basal ganglia get affected in any way, it is similar to a conductor of orchestra getting a stroke. Orchestra will continue to play the same piece, but each instrument is going to go their own way. And there will be no louder, you know, no quieter instrument, so everybody will be playing with the same intensity, thus the music will be terrible. This is exactly what happened in pandas. Uh, once the basal ganglia are affected and actually non-functional, all the thoughts that we have in our head compete among each other, and we are not able to isolate one of them and follow it. And thus, children frequently complain of running thoughts, like they cannot concentrate. And that's the mainstay symptom of pandas. So what is called for? What do we investigate in the patient's physiology? At this moment, we are pretty far away from a specific PANDAS test. And uh, my protocol or approach is that diagnosis of PANDAS is made on the basis of history and, uh, uh, you know, uh, on the basis of positive streptococcal titers and then possibly uh, positive response to the steroid burst. But let me be very specific. Diagnosis confirmation, 90% it's a typical history, and the typical history of pandas goes in the following fashion. There is a almost always a sudden onset of symptoms where the parents can frequently recall the exact date and sometimes time of the day when the symptoms appeared. Those symptoms, at least during the first episode, follow an infection, streptococcal infection, possibly within few hours or few days. The symptoms have a wax and vein pattern. That means they are at their peak for about two, three, four weeks, and then they slowly improve over a period of time. Next time child gets any illness, the symptoms spike again, and that can go on for years. Uh, the second part of diagnosis, and I assign to it about 5% value, it's a positive streptococcal titers, anti-DNSB and ASO titer. And finally, if there is a response to the steroid burst that we will discuss later, that confirms the autoimmune nature of the disease. All right. So let's talk a little bit about anti-streptolysin O and anti-deoxyribonuclease B titer tests. What are they? 
Well, essentially, there are a number of tests. Okay, that uh, anti-streptolysin, there is ASO titer, there is anti-DNSB. And what they are eliciting is the presence of antibodies to strept, different parts of the strept, uh, uh, strept uh, body. What I have found is that ASO titer, or anti-streptolysin titer, O, is a test that becomes positive very quickly following the infection with the Streptococcus A. However, after the Streptococcus group A is treated, the titer very quickly returns to normal. Thus, in some kids with PANDAS, where the initial uh, Streptococcal infection might have been several months or sometimes a couple of years before the actual test is done, asotitis usually will be normal. Anti-DNAs B titer, however, has an interesting advantage, and that is it slowly, over a period of several weeks or sometimes months, goes up, but then it stays elevated for a number of months and then slowly comes down. And I have found this particular test to be much more helpful in PANDAS patients than ASO titer. What do antibiotics do to antibody titers? Well, essentially, they don't do anything to antibody titers. They treat uh, the infection. So antibiotics kill the germ, and the absence of germ eventually results in decrease in antibodies in the, uh, against the strep. Is it possible that there's ever more than one strain of strep involved, you know, among different patients? Uh, yes, it is. And I think the problem has been that he, we have been very laxed regarding the research of streptococcus A because streptococcus has never developed an outright resistant to penicillin or, for that matter, for any antibiotics, for some reason we assumed that it has not changed over the period of the past 30, 40, 50 years. Unfortunately, it has. And this is the very interesting part. Development of resistance to antibiotics it's a simple defense mechanism that a lot of microorganisms or germs use. In Streptococcus group A case, however, uh, this is not the defense mechanism that the germ prefers. It actually prefers to hide. We call it mimicry. So imitates certain parts of the body so it would be mistaken by antibodies, and this is exactly what happens in pandas. Strep apparently has, over the period of years or decades, developed a molecular group on its surface, we call it epitome, that is chemically identical to the receptors on our nerves, particularly receptors in basal ganglia. So when the antibodies are produced 
to fight the streptococcus, they don't fight streptococcus only, but they attack those receptors in the basal ganglia by mistake. And that's what's called an autoimmune disease? Exactly. Right. So it sounds as if the infectious agents in pandas and patan damage the nervous system, and if that's the case, what further treatment modalities can be used? We started to talk about antibiotics. Can the can damage to the nervous system be reversed? Uh, this is probably one of the most fascinating parts of pandas, that in most cases, before the puberty, the complete reversal of symptoms is possible, and the, the complete reversal of damage is possible. Uh, it appears that there is no difference in outcome in patients who had pandas for three or four months and patients who had the pandas for seven or eight years. Outcomes are almost completely the same. So, until puberty at least, we believe that the damage that is inflicted upon the nervous system is reversible. Very good. What's the difference with after puberty? This is uh, something that we are only exploring. Since there is uh, what we call final organization or nervous pathways occurring during the <coughs> puberty, there has been an assumption that if there is a problem with those pathways induced, in example, by pandas, that those abnormalities will persist for the rest of the life. A number of anecdotal report, uh, reports supports it. However, only recently, I have treated several young people in age of 16 and 16 and a half that despite of their age and uh, completed puberty, still responded well to the immunomodulating treatments. Okay. And we may need to go to break in the midst of this question, but what's the relationship Oh, there's the uh, the break music, so we'll be right back at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health & Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. 
More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Miroslav Kovacevic talking about pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococci, pandas, and pediatric infection-triggered autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders. Patand, and before the break, Dr. Kovacevic, I was about to ask you if you could please um, explain if there's any relationship between antibody titers and how ill a person is or appears to be. Does everybody have elevated titers who is symptomatic? No, unfortunately, there is no particular documented relationship between the elevated titers and intensity of symptoms, as a matter of fact. I have seen a number of patients, usually the ones who presented with the illness you know, that has been there for several years, that can come with the normal titers. Also, patients who have a high titers, if they are treated, like with immunoglobulin or whatever, there is no parallel, no documented parallel between the improvement in symptoms and a concomitant decrease in, uh, in uh, titers. So I have not found there a relationship that could help us out and give us a predictability of the effectiveness of the treatment or lack of the effectiveness of the treatment. Excuse me. Well, I guess the uh, the thing is that patients get better, and that's what we're looking for. So could you please tell our listeners about the use of corticosteroids in the treatment of pandas? Should they be used? And if so, how long or briefly? And what's that steroid burst you were talking about earlier? Uh, I have not found uh, the steroid treatment effective uh, in uh, course of pandas. There are several reasons for it. Number one, the corticosteroids, what they do, they do not necessarily address the actual pathophysiological problem occurring in pandas. All they do is address the autoimmune component and it's only temporary. So, as long as the child is on steroids, pandas symptoms 
will likely decrease and become manageable. However, as soon as you take them off the steroids, the symptoms come back with a vengeance. So, I have used steroids only as a confirmatory process in diagnosis of pandas. That simply means that if the child is suspected of having pandas, if his if child history is typical of pandas, uh, administration of five days steroid burst uh, and significant improvement of symptoms, it's just a confirmation of diagnosis. Why would a steroid burst confirm the diagnosis of pandas? Because it confirms the presence of autoimmune component. Okay. Is the removal of a child's tonsils and adenoids sometimes recommended? Uh, actually, there was a study about six or seven years ago from the Greek researchers that explored that possibility, and they found, at least during the first year after the tonsillectomy, a significant decrease in the amount and the uh, intensity of symptoms. Unfortunately, uh, I found out later that the symptoms did come back. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that has been only temporarily reprieve. All right. And then are there some practitioners who use SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors in patients with pandas? Well, Should we be questioning that? Well, SSRIs have been used uh, in pa- uh, widely in pandas, okay? And again, not for the diagnosis of pandas, for the, but for the sub-diagnoses that are frequently established, anxiety, obsessive-compulsive disorder, etc. My experience has been that there is no actual benefit and there is really no documented benefit of SSRI in pandas. And more importantly, I have found that Two of frequently used medication, one haloperidol and the other one ativan, have actually worsened hmm. the symptoms of pandas. Hmm. All right. Some families are using one or both of the interventions of plasmapheresis and IVIG, or intravenous immunoglobulin procedures. So what are these and what do they do and what do you think about them? Uh, There are two immunomodulating treatments that have been used in pandas and both of the treatments have shown significant benefits. Uh, Plasmapheresis is actually cleansing of the plasma or the blood of abnormal autoimmune antibodies. Uh, The improvement following the electrophoresis is usually very swift and rather significant. Unfortunately, the recurrences appear to be relatively high, and the only way to prevent it would be to follow it with the intravenous immunoglobulin. On the other hand, plasmapheresis, because it is an invasive procedure, does carry significant risk of complications. On the other hand, intravenous immunoglobulin 
that has been used now in well over 100 different diseases has been around first as a regular gamma globulin that was given intramuscularly and for the past 15 or so years as intravenous immunoglobulin has been has been around for you know 50 or 60 years so we do have quite a bit of experience with it and it has been found that is a relatively non-invasive, a relatively safe treatment, and appears to be as effective in pandas as the plasmapheresis. Okay, so it sounds to me as if you're saying, Dr. Kovacevic, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if families are... Uh, and I, I realize that you need to, you know, examine each individual case history. Uh, but if families are using plasmapheresis, then it would be a good idea to follow up with IVIG. Exactly, yes. And uh, what I have also found, that there is only a small group of pandas patients where plasmapheresis appears to be somewhat superior to the intravenous immunoglobulin, and those are patients who, as a prominent or hallmark symptoms, have ticks. In those patients, plasmapheresis does have better results than the intravenous immunoglobulin. But still, you do need to follow it with intravenous immunoglobulin to address the autoimmune process. Now, once a patient uses intravenous immunoglobulin, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me as if that's your favorite of the treatments we've discussed, um, do they follow up afterwards with any more antibiotics for maintenance? Or? The protocol that I like to use is patient, patients received intravenous immunoglobulin, what is uh, an outpatient procedure, and it's followed by preventative antibiotic for one year. Can you share with our listeners uh, one or more success stories from your practice where, well, you know, I should backtrack a little bit. Is there an intersection between pandas and autism spectrum disorders, for example? Do many Asperger's syndrome symptoms intersect with panda symptoms? No, uh, I wouldn't say outright. However, it appears that uh, there are two particular groups where the pandas and ASD or autistic spectrum disorder do have things in common. Number group number one is Asperger uh, syndrome. Those children appear to have an increased susceptibility to pandas. What is the explanation? I don't know. But those kids do develop frequently obsessive-compulsive disorder following the streptococcal infections. And in the few cases that I have treated, it appears that intravenous immunoglobulin reverses this panda symptomatology. The second important group is the group of PDD-NOS, or pervasive developmental disorder. Group per se is not well defined, and I usually consider it to be a group of ASD patients. 
that you put them there because they don't fit anything else, okay? Well, interestingly enough, I have treated at least half a dozen of them who, in the end, appear to have pandas from of a very early onset and not ASD. Well, so this is the possibility that I'm seriously exploring at the at current time. All right. Well, could you please share with our listeners some success stories from your practice where children were diagnosed with both an autism spectrum disorder and pandas and you were able to resolve or significantly improve both? Uh, 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 I can. Uh, there was, uh, to give you one example, would be a young lady, four years old, <laughs> four and a half years old, who presented with a severe temper tantrums, Okay, violence, aggressiveness, uh, obsessive-compulsive uh, symptoms like a foul language or coprolalia. Okay, uh, the child was diagnosed as a PDD NOS, and uh, the history was murky regarding possible streptococcal infection because around assumed onset at about 18 months of age. She did have a lot of ear infections, etc., but there was no documentation of streptococcal infection. Uh, in any case, her anti-DNSB was elevated, and she did respond extremely well to the steroid burst. So after discussing the whole situation with the parents, it was decided to proceed with IVIG. I had the Deep doubt that the IVIG will make any significant dent in at that time uh, believed symptoms of ASD, and that was uh, lack of eye contact, uh, uh, refusal to be touched, uh, high sensory reactions to the light, etc. And uh, uh, delayed speech. Lo and behold, uh, six weeks after the IVIG, all the symptoms, the panda symptoms that we hoped would be reversed, and assumed PDD symptoms that we did not have intent to address, all of them reversed. Wow. And kid actually appeared to have only pandas, and there was no ASD. So well. that would be a kind of fascinating case. Uh, the second uh, interesting case... Oh, can is... we pick up with that when we come back from break? Sure. Okay, great. We'll be right back with Dr. Kovacevic hearing about the second case at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. You've read the books, listened to the CDs, and gone to the workshops to learn spirituality. Now there's a way to help you live it every single day. The Spiritual Workout with Stephen Morrison. Call with any issue at all and Stephen will passionately help you see which of 15 universally spiritual concepts apply to your circumstance and how. Practice every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on The Spiritual Workout on 7th Wave Network. It's a practical path to a happier, more peaceful, and richer life experience. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Miroslav Kvasovic, and before the break, you were going to tell us about a second successful case. Uh, the, the second case, it just uh, came to my mind. It's a nine-year-old boy who was diagnosed previously with a high-functioning Asperger and who developed, uh, you know, about a year and a half before I saw him, obsessive-compulsive disorder that resulted in a severe difficulties in school. He was he became uncooperative, aggressive. Um, he could not write anymore. He could uh, basically not sleep, etc. And at the time when I saw him, he was completely non-functional. Uh, Following the intravenous immunoglobulin, four weeks later, actually, all his panda symptoms dis- disappeared uh, to the extent where he went to the baseline. And at that time, I realized that his baseline was better than assumed high-functioning Asperger. So even though at nine years of age, it's very hard to go backwards and try to figure out if there was anything else wrong with the child. But I believe that in this particular child, contributing 
pandas was as early again as two or three years of age, and most likely Asperger was not present at all, but just the Asperger trait. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier um, in the show something that made me think about uh, that your practice has identified an adolescent adult variant of pandas. Is this the case? Yes. Uh, I have identified a group of about 20 patients, okay, in the age of uh, 16 and 31. And uh, all of these patients basically presented with a very interesting clinical picture. Sometimes at the end of the freshman year or during the sophomore year of the high school, this patient start with uh, non-specific stomach complaints. Uh, it's a constant stomach aches, nothing severe enough to require an intervention, but let's say uh, bothersome enough that a lot of them seek the medical attention by their doctors. And the ones that did so would be diagnosed with uh, irritable bowel syndrome or with uh, reflux, etc., now, that abdominal complaints would last for several months and slowly would wind down. And at that time, there was a usually sudden, over a period of maybe a week or so, onset of debilitating anxiety. These patients wake up uh, extremely anxious and they have no reason to be so. That anxiety becomes so severe they start interfering with their social life, then they're with their academic life, and a lot of them quit the school or come back home from college, prefer to avoid friends and the girlfriends or boyfriends, but just stay at home. Mm-hmm. They frequently exhibit uh, chronic fatigue. And what I have found, all of the patients that I have in this group all exhibited similar behaviors, and interestingly enough, they all had elevated strep group A uh, antibodies, especially anti-DNSB. Consequently, just as a test, I treated first few of them and then the complete group with uh, antibiotics and found that antibiotic would completely reverse their psychiatric symptoms. Wow. Uh, Now, I am still working on it. It's a work in progress, and I don't have a plausible explanation yet. However, the patient that I have followed the longest now, it has been almost three years, that patient remains completely asymptomatic. So I think it is a group, that I will report probably this spring, but it does deserve special attention. Well. Because, as you know, you know, anxiety disorder might be affecting as many as 9 to 13% of American population. Mm-hmm. And I believe that group of those patients might belong into described group. Do you think it's possible that 
vaccines conceivably could hyperstimulate the immune system in a way that triggers strep that's already in certain people? Uh, I can't really speculate on that, but what I can say is that I have had in the past significant number of recurrences of panda symptoms following viral immunizations and flu vaccine uh, and actually Japanese encephalitis. Mm. All right. So there is a certain relationship, but I have not been able to explain it yet. Is there a website where parents can look for further information? Yes. Uh, I have a website. It's www.web, W-E-B, pediatrics.com. Webpediatrics.com. Very good. Well, um, I need to make an announcement to our listeners uh, about something going on in the autism community. We have three more days to help our children's friends at the National Autism Association win $1 million to help kids and families affected by autism. So after everyone listening votes, and we'd really appreciate that, please tell five more friends, five more parents of schoolmates, five coworkers, and five of anyone else you can think of. The stats are one in 110 children, one in 70 boys. So it's really urgent that uh, we find out what's going on with autism and uh, the causes and efficacious treatments, and the National Autism Association is doing just that. NAA believes autism is treatable and preventable and that more research into cause and treatment are needed, please go to www.nationalautism.org. And um, you need to be a Facebook member to vote for NAA through Chase Community Giving. So please visit http colon forward slash forward slash APPS dot facebook dot com forward slash chase community giving forward slash charities four eight six two four three question mark and vote and if you didn't catch any of that please visit NAA's uh, Chase the Hope uh, website just go to the homepage of www.nationalautismassociation.org forward slash chase Dr. Kovacevic, I want to thank you for your common sense and helpful approach to treating these illnesses in children. It has been my pleasure. To our listeners, Dr. Kovacevic will be speaking at the Autism One Conference in May. Please visit www.autismone.org. Registration should be opening this month. Thank you to this program's sponsor, Enzymedica, for questions about this program. Please email me at taranga at autismone.org. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.